Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Today's guest is Zane Westwood. This is Zane's second trip to the podcast. And since our last conversation, he has signed on to the lift team and gotten into downwind and winging. And so there's going to be a ton of stuff that we're going to be able to go through today. He's online already. A couple notes before we jump in. Hit up TJ at Big Wins if you guys need anything. He has been so incredibly supportive of the podcast. I want to send a ton of love their way. You can check out the new fuses and adapters for the No Limits Mast. They're exclusive through Big Wins. The No Limits Mast is amazing. And almost any gear that you'd want to ride, lift, Takuma, Armstrong, wings, everything. They've got it all. And also... If you're looking for the downwind boards, hit up Dave Kalama. He's been so supportive in my downwinding journey. Want you guys to, uh, and he's making the best boards or at least some of the best boards in there. And he, he kind of designed the board from the beginning. So he deserves a lot of love for that. So those are the notes before we dive in. Zane, what's up, man? Yeah, not much, man. Thanks for having me on again. We're off into uh, talk all things foiling. Yeah, I, I love you. <laughs> you're one of the guys that I'm always catching up with online when something new happens. And this is overdue. You know, we keep talking about yeah. doing it. So stoked we're doing it now. What, what have you been up yeah, to? Not a lot. Just been working a lot and just filling in with foiling. All things foiling. Trying to just tune in gear <clears throat> with downwind stuff. And I got a new board off Amos for downwinding that we're working on a model. So it's been a lot of work doing that, tuning in all my gear with that, which is, yeah, it's been exciting. Epic. So you switched from, you were on GoFoil first, right? And then you uh, yeah. switched to Lyft. Let's start there because those are opposite yeah. sides of the spectrum on feel, balance, tune, the whole thing. How big of a change was that for you and your riding? It was, it was a big change actually. So I think I was earlier last year, or, uh, late last year that I got approached and I was, I had a go of like the 120 and all that. And it was really good, but I didn't like immerse myself completely into the gear. So I was going like between go fall and lift. And it was like, it was so hard to make the change. Like to, cause like go fall so front foot and uh, lift is more, more back foot predominantly. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't liking the, the going between. <clears throat> and then I like just came back a few months later and then just, I was like, I'll just give it a good try. So I just kind of like put the, the go foil stuff aside and just rode the lift for a, a couple of weeks in it. And it was, it was a nice change. It like really helped. Like I felt like it was more for my style of foiling coming from surfing and all that. And I just really like the feel of the, uh, the glide and the, just like, it's just like a friction free feeling. Like it's just like the one, when I first got on the 120, it just didn't want to stop gliding. Like it was pretty amazing. Yeah. The, how are you setting them up? How, how has your tuning changed, you know, placement on the board? And I don't know if you're riding custom tails with the lift or if you're riding the stock tails, but talk us through like how you're tuning and, and tuning them and how that tuning has changed. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the 120, 
I play. I've been. I've been playing with the aftermarket tails, the KD, and then there's a guy in Australia called Chris. He does. He does. He has a sea machine that we've been playing around with some tails. But yeah, man, from the the go for the my box, my masters all the way back in the box, and then lift. I'm the other end of the spectrum. I'm all the way forward with my Raptor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was different. Like my foot with the lift gear is like I'm on top of the mast, even sometimes behind it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I guess it makes it more back foot for like if you want to get kind of more critical, kind of in the curl and stuff. Yeah, and then I guess with the tails, it just depends on the tail I'm riding. Hey, like if I'm riding say a thirteen, a KD thirteen, I'll tune it with. It just depends, like zero degree zero shim or up to a degree and to kind of what i what i want to get out of it i'll tune it appro- like uh, appropriate to the conditions but yeah man it's so fun just playing around with all that shim and tuning the board or tuning the wing you know or tuning the gear to the the conditions hey yeah there's so much to learn i'm still feel like i'm just at the tip of the iceberg hey you know what's been absolutely mind-blowing to me is that as i have progressed and gotten better at foiling. And now, and this is something we can talk about too. We don't have to do it now, but the amount of time I am spending on foil with downwinding and winging, it's changed my sensitivity. It's changed like the, the feedback that I'm getting from the foil. And it's allowed me to start tuning foils for efficiency instead of for for the, the arcs that I want to draw or the, the foot pressure that I want, because I'm able to move, you know, from turn to turn, my feet move so that I'm in the right spot for the type of pressure that I want, which, and watching the way that you foil as well, it looks like you figured that out too, because I, I, when you first got on lift and I made a comment one time on, we were talking on Instagram, like about how far back your stance had moved. And so you were finding that same thing, you know, moving back to where the pressure was, where you wanted it through turns. And it's just crazy how much that has evolved for me in the last two months. And I think it has to be because of winging and downwind and just the amount of time that I'm spending on foil and becoming more nuanced in my feels. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely just time on foil through downwinding and winging, you become more like you, you hone in on what your feet are doing and like your micro adjustments with your board. And uh, yeah, that's what I like. I didn't notice that at the start, actually, when I was on lift, I like my feet got more, they got close, my stance got closer together and I'll set back further. So like I was riding a four, six at the time and a four, six, it didn't feel big to me, but like in videos, it like, I think, Adam and someone else commented my board look long and I was and I went back and looked I was like oh it actually does look so long because I'm like set so f- so much further back on the board I think I, I was messaged you that yeah I think you may have done as well and I was and it, through turns sometimes I was like glancing mid-turn like on a rail because the board was so long yeah but like oh when I was when that in that clip I was riding like a, I think it was the boomerang tail and I feel like that's a lot more back foot that that tail to ride than like a like a, a stock lift tail or like the new carved ones is a bit more front foot pressure so i'll naturally be further up the board but even just all that like just tails i reckon a, the tail has so much influence over like your style and your like stance as well yeah 
Yeah, I agree with that. And what I think being on foil for the duration for when you're downwinding and winging has done is I think that you gravitate, you start to move towards stances that are more efficient. And I think that's why sure. we're seeing folks narrowing up who have spent a lot of time downwinding. Because if you're in a wide stance, you're burning out much quicker than if you're in Definitely, a narrow yeah. stance. And so the first part of getting that narrow stance is getting your front foot back to where you still have that, that pressure on the front foot with the back foot being able to move up. They kind of have to move together. You can't just move your back foot up or else you can't balance over the mass. So center of gravity stays in the same place and both feet move to the middle. And I'm now riding, I just dropped a clip, which is the first video that I've gotten on the new way that I'm setting up my 1095, but I'm using the stock mast and my board basically built in the plate shim that the old mast had. It's kind of difficult to explain, but anyways, I'm riding like almost two degrees more angle of attack on the foil now because of the mast and the new fuse and the board that I'm riding. So it's almost like the, board, the the foil is angled up. And if you like were to put it on the sand, the nose is kind of angled down. And when I first started trying to ride those setups, I was using my old positioning, which was back farther in the box. And then I've realized through the downwinding that that, and I didn't like the way they surfed when it was like that. I would start, I, I was plate shimming again. And but if you move it far enough forward, so I am slamming it forward with on that mast, you can even go like an extra inch forward to where like the front of your mast is at the very front of your boxes. There's no space from where the bolts are to the front of the mast. And it's phenomenal. I mean, it's the best I've ever felt to foil and, and it lets you have a really super narrow stance and everything is just tightened up. Pumping feels more efficient. I'm super geeking out on that right now. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate. With, I don't shim my mast because the Amos boards, they don't have any tail rocker. So I guess it's just parallel with the surface. And I found with shimming, I didn't really like having my nose pointing down, especially for downwinding, as I felt like I was, I just didn't have as much control over at higher speeds. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess everyone's different. Hey, like I've spoken to people in the area and they base plate shim and they, they really like it. It opens up at like, livens up their setups and stuff like that. <clears throat> I think it also but, what you're riding, you know, I'm downwind. Yeah, that's true. Up. So that's a very yeah. different tune than, than go foil or, uh, than lift would be. Yeah. Also like even moving your plate, uh, your mask forward. Hey, like it, it creates like a, a more pivot point like twisting. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed like some, like the 120, it won't like that pivoting kind of feel, but the 90, the HA90 will really like that. So with the 90, I, I bring my mask forward and I kind of have my foot behind it so I can like turn. And then at the end of the turn, it gives you that like end of, like whip. It kind of pivots at the end. Mm-hmm. And like I went, I was towing with James yesterday and had my mask all the way back in the box so on my new board just to think because I was going faster so I wouldn't need as much lift, but it didn't like that. Like it likes to have that release in the turn. So it was, it was really interesting. Even just putting it like I just do adjustments like a finger or two fingers. So mm-hmm. it might be 30 mil or an inch. Yeah, just, that's just that's crazy Hey, how much those small micro adjustments can like you feel it so, so quickly when you're foiling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that I like to do every once in a while is – 
just do some super random tuning and just see if I can go make it work. Like if I'm not that excited about a session or if I just want a challenge, I'll just do something random that I haven't done before and just see if I can make it surf good. See if I can figure out how to make it surf good. And I feel like that's helped me a lot in understanding different feels and, you know, like how to draw turns (laughs) placement. Yeah. That just reminded me, like, I've always wondered, you know how you shim your base plate, like, back and forth, like, uh, front to back? I've always thought, I've never tried it, shimming your base plate, like, left to right, so it kind of makes, like, a more asymmetrical, say, your board from heel to toe is on an angle, and I've always wondered if that makes it more, kind of like an asymmetrical surfboard, you know, like how Ryan Birch does, like, a, a twin fin on these on his inside, on his toe side, and then a quad set up on his heel. I've always thought yeah. what that would do in foiling, in shimming your base plate. I'm yet to try it, but I should give it a go. I think it definitely would do something. Like it might, may, might make it easier to roll one way or harder. I don't know. Thinking about that, it, it, it might actually make a lot of sense in some ways. Like, especially if you were going to surf a point break, right? Where you wanted to be able to come off the bottom or the top harder. Because yeah. whatever way you shimmed in, you would be able to go harder on that rail. So if it was like heel was higher than toe, I think you could turn harder on you your toe side. On your toe side, yeah, it'd roll over easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then you would have more clearance on your heel side by a little bit too, so you wouldn't touch. Oh, quite. fully. That's, I'm going to give it a go. Hey, haven't. <laughs> and anyone out there just who been, wants to make yeah, some gems and send them our way. Yeah. I, I, I wonder that. like what it would be like, it would it, you'd have to, it'd be more exaggerated because like the, the span from, I don't know, heel to toes less than front to back. So yeah. it'd be like, I don't know, maybe three degree instead of a one. I don't know. Yeah. I think you'd want less, right? I think you'd want less um, angle there. Than right. Okay. Back. Cool. Could yeah, do something new. I'm just like <laughs> playing with that in my mind right now, how that would feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been, I don't know. Like there's no one, not many people around here that do like CNC. So I've just been getting like a, one of those plastic chopping boards and using my plane and just playing the shim, the degree into it. So it's not really hard. It'd be a really quick job. So like a cutting board. Yeah, exactly. Chopping board. Yeah. That's actually a great idea. That'd be a really, and you probably get a bunch of shims out of one. Yeah, you do. And they're cheap. <laughs> yeah, they're cheap as. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than whatever their po- folks are charging for the base plate gyms. They're probably sure. harder too. Sorry? I said they're probably harder as well. That's one of the things that, yeah. the reasons why I've been working to get away from shims is that I think that any power lost between board and foil, be it flex in the mast or flex, you know, and a little bit of sponginess on a base plate shim, I think that just takes away drive and over time, yeah, right. it's just extra. Yeah, it softens the, uh, the reaction. Uh-huh. I read some study on running at some point and they were talking about like difference in, I want to say like energy with different types of soles in a shoe, energy right. out over distance. And it ended up being a big deal. It's not a big deal if you're running a hundred meter dash. It ends up being a pretty big deal if you're running a marathon. Interesting. Yeah. I would, uh, I would, yeah, wow. Well, so what is it like a softer sole 
you lose more power. Yeah, think about like running on the beach. Yeah, yeah, true. As an extreme, sucks, sucks running on sand. It's, it's terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the other day, I um, I got my new board, Amos downwind board. I've been working on, and it was man, it was onshore, like east winds, and I was just like really keen to get out there. <laughs> so I paddled out. Oh my god, this is like probably the worst downwind experience I've ever had. And um, just recently from the floods where we are, that's like a big, it's broken bay and it com- comes out of a like a big river. <clears throat> and man, f- like millions of jellyfish have been coming out, and they're not these jellyfish are like the size of like footballs. And <laughs> so I paddled out, and there's like. At one point, there was like a wall. It was like hundreds of meters long of jellyfish and like 10 meters wide. So I had to like bust through them <laughs> to the other side. It was like a wall. It was crazy. Anyway, I I was just really keen to paddle this board. And so I got going. It took me a while to get going, actually. Just tuning, like getting on a new board and feeling the new balance. And <laughs> I just ended up like getting pretty much pushed like a K and a half down the beach. And just like as a full fail attempt, I got up on foil like three times, but every time I was getting, trying to get on foil, like in between paddling and planing or like getting onto foil, I'd like ram a jellyfish and go flying like off the front of my board. And it was, man, it was frustrating, but I guess that was just not the day to do it. And coming back to what you're saying, running on sand, I had to run along the beach about two kilometers up the beach and like the sand is so soft where we are and it was like i haven't done any running for a while and it was just torture <laughs> like running back to my car to hide my board in the bushes and run back and get it <laughs> oh it's terrible <laughs> yeah yeah I had one of those the other night a buddy of mine fisher grant who he's been mentioned on the podcast he is a lifeguard in hawaii and he was flying with some of the voyager guys friends with simeon and he came into town and we did a couple of downwind slash runners. I was out back and he was on the inside and, and I was on the sup way out back. And he actually beat me down to our takeout because I couldn't get up for like, it was a pretty meager night. It took me like 10 or 15 minutes to like get up on foil at the beginning. And then I did it in one shot, but it was easier to go offshore than to come inshore. So I had worked myself pretty far offshore and then I saw our takeout spot. And it took me, I don't know, about a mile down the beach to get back to the beach. I didn't want to come off and paddle in. So it just took me forever to get in. So he was standing on the beach and saw me go by. So he thought he was at the wrong spot. So he paddles out. I come in and I walk up to the road to walk down because, you know, I was a mile down and want to walk on the beach. Meanwhile, he sends it like two miles down to the next hotel thinking that he missed. <laughs> it. it ended up being like we like an hour and a half before we figured out where each, where we, each other were. No, do you do you have like an Apple Watch or a phone? I do. He did use like yeah, but he didn't a stitch no. up. I know because recently it's happened to me. Like I don't know, iPhone they say they're waterproof, but I put it in a waterproof case and it got water in it recently, and it, my phone carked it. So I had to get a new phone. Well, they replaced and, it. Uh, yeah, they did replace it. Okay, but I got the new. I got the latest phone, and I don't want to take it in the water now because I don't want that to break. So I don't recently in like kind of meaty like mild conditions i just don't take my phone and i just wing it i just like i just make it i just hopefully try and make it to the end of the run without anything but yeah it's just like it, i think it could be a good idea like just having walkie talkies on your what are they vhf for yeah. the crew of you going 
Do they have good waterproof on? I'm sure they do. They do. They're just, I guess they're just a bit more expensive. But they're pretty compact. On James's downwind world record, world record he said he had two on him. Because, yeah, I was on the boat for that. That was actually that was a great day. He had two on him, actually. He had one for land and one for the boat. It, that whole adventure blows my mind. Like, I'll finish up, you know, like my runs now, I'm doing about a six-mile run, five and a half, from like my house to Austin Toby's house. It's a pretty good takeout spot. It's like yeah, kind of the end of where you can get picked up on the beach. And yeah. I finished that run... And one of my first thoughts is always that it's like 25, 26 minutes. Generally, it's like, I don't understand how in the world he was able to foil for 10 hours in a day. Like it, man, I'm cooking yeah, after crazy minutes. Yeah. Crazy. We were, so it was a big day. It was a big day. Holy crap. And so he started at six in the morning and uh, the way they set it, like Guinness book of records. So you, from so as soon as you jump off land, you have 12 hours and you have to be back on land within that 12 hours. So if it's say 12 hours and five minutes, it wouldn't have been classified as a whatever make or okay. Uh, and had it, so he had to be or or was this the first? Sorry, had anyone done this before? And records, this no, was so they time. I think they just set a time and a distance. I'm pretty sure you have to ask him, but that's I'm pretty sure they did so. I think it was on four for like 11. So he was in the water for 11 and a half hours. And we did three pack changes. So he was off foil for five minutes all day. Like literally, it was it literally was off foil for five. It's crazy. Like it's such a different, different um, type of foiling. Hey, it's like a marathon kind of endurance. It was crazy. It's, it's amazing. I mean, mentally, I'm tired after those runs just from being so locked in for yeah. that time. Yeah. I don't know how you do it for even two hours. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Cause the night before we'll chat or the day before we we're chatting about like what foil he wanted to use. And we, my girlfriend has this like crystal pendulum. She, she actually just qualified. Like, she just qualified as a meditation teacher. So she's gone through this crazy journey the last year, which has been so good to watch. And, um, endure with so she has this pendulum and you like i'm not sure if you're aware but you can ask it questions and it like it'll spin one way or the other <laughs> and james wasn't sure what he was going to use and i was like dude just ask this pendulum like we'll get it out and we'll ask it and it was either between his 1099 or his 999 wing and like the conditions for the start of the day were like you I couldn't use a 999 because it was just, it would have been too much work. But anyway, the pendulum's like, the pendulum pretty much said, yes, use the 1099. So that's what he used. And definitely in the morning conditions, that first hour and a half, it was not even downwindable. Like for for most people. <laughs> so uh, he just, man, that, that first hour and a half, he just made it work. Hey, it was pretty amazing. It was just, it was like, I'd say, seven knots not even it was glassy off the off like the first point where he took off and he he got up on these refracting bumps coming off the uh the headland and then just like worked his way out to sea so the first hour and a half he was just riding like this like real short period south swell and the winds were westerly so every time he cut back to the land he was 
riding into the wind. So he'd like ride the swells in and then cut back out. And then about like three K offshore, that's when the Southwester just started to like have enough fetch so you could ride the bumps. And then, and then it was on from there. That's so, that's so nuts. I just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, dude, it was, yeah, it was crazy. It was, yeah, it was an amazing day. There's so many dolphins like coming up to the boat. We're right on the bow. And then, yeah, it was crazy. You have to get him on and chat about it, man. I just did his show, which should be released pretty soon. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's cool. He's given, dropping tons of downwind knowledge on it. And he says on the show, he said he was about to do this. It was probably a week before he did it. But yeah, I'll definitely have him on here soon. Epic. Brutal. Yeah. So good. Let's talk about your journey in downwind. How addictive is it? Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> How do you, what's your hierarchy of foil sports at this point? Do you rate them? I definitely go through phases. Hey, so like, like, I just, like, I got a new prone and downwind ball from Amos. So I'm just like trying to ride those as much as I can. But right now it's downwind because it hasn't been this year for us in Australia. It's been La Nina. So it's been like wet a lot of moisture and not much wind. So we haven't been, we weren't getting our like nor'east trade winds. They don't come every day, but like say four out of the seven days of the week, you'll get a nor'easter through summer. And we got maybe four good ones this year. So yeah, I'm pretty, I was, yeah, I was, I was really excited to, I'm really excited to downwind. Any chance I'll get, I'll either be like doing puddling up practice in a, a spot we have that's just like onshore and I paddle out about 300 meters and just tune all or I'll downwind from home down there or vice versa. And um, what are you mainly using in downwind? What foils? So I've been mainly using the 170 okay. recently with, I've been using the, so the aftermarket, his name's Chris, crisp OG tail. He's got like a 15 inch and a 13 inch tail. So I've been, Using the 13 recently, that's faster. Good. It's, it's like nice to paddle up as well. So it has a lower um, store speed. And I'll use that. I'll use the 170 between like 10 and 18 knots. And then and anything above, I'll, I'll get on the 120. How do you find the 120? Yeah, I re- uh, that just um, kind of blows my mind that you could pop that up. I can get up to 1095, but it has to be pretty good for me to do that. I do think that we yeah. are tending to do downwinders in pretty light winds. Jeez, what do you, what winds are you, what's, sorry. What am I using? Yeah. What, win, oh, what winds are like, what's your, what's like a, a decent day wind speed? So it really depends on what we're getting. So last week we had, I got a bunch of good runs in last week on the sea breeze. So it would be glassy in the morning. We'd be prone foiling out front and then the sea breeze would kick in and it'd be like, 12 to 17 miles an hour. So what is that like? Right. You know, 10 pretty similar knots, isn't it? Knots. Yeah. It's pretty similar. Yeah. A little bit less uh, in knots, I think, but only like about a three hour period of that building into the evening. Right. Okay. And so, you know, we're like, it's wind, winds where the guys are taking out like their six, eight meter wings to, to wing foil. So pretty light winds. And I've been riding the, Takuma 1440 most of the time. Cause I can basically flat water start that. And so I can nice. get up in pretty much anything. Yeah. That I've good to of... have that uh, safety net, isn't it? 
Or like, yeah. I feel like that's that was the biggest thing for me at the start was just not having the the worry of being s- not stuck out there, but have to p- having to paddle for like three kilometers or whatever. Like, mm. it's nice to have that in the back of your mind. You can get up on a foil in like pretty much any conditions. Yep. Because I as soon as I found like as soon as I was doubting myself, I'd I'd be rushing to like paddle for a bump. So I'd be exerting more energy and, you know, you're just not patient. You're just more antsy to get on foil. Yep. And I've, yeah, like the one, yeah. I was just, I've gotten really selective now to where I kind of just stand there and maybe I stand there for two or three minutes, just kind of watching the ocean. And then my success yeah. ratio of popping up is, you know, really high once I see what I want. But when I first went for out sure. there, I was just digging at everything. And, and yeah, you burn tons of energy doing that. Yeah, definitely. Like even just paddling out and then just being real, like aware and conscious of what what bump you you can go for and what is what like what's makeable or you got to like what is what you got to leave or you can take. And I find that makes a big difference. Just observing the conditions as you're paddling to the start point. Because you, you find yeah. that as you're paddling out, you see different patches like different. So I go, basically we have kind of just a series of sandbars down the coast. It's all pretty much the same. So you're paddling straight out. And then generally speaking, I am always working to like a 45 degree angle offshore to stay in the same place. Right. Cause the bumps are always running towards the shore. So I never really get to run right, right with the bumps. I'm always working my way, basically either going right or left the whole time or else you're coming back into shore. And but as I'm paddling out, there are like three distinct places where the bumps are better. And then there's some weird currents like in between those areas. And so I generally go out to like what I would call like the third break. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, it ends up being like a nine or 10 minute paddle straight offshore, sitting down, kind of getting it. So yeah, like, there's definitely parts of your run, hey, that are better or like the, the bumps are like stacking up and steeper more sorted or they're like lulls, you know, they're flat and you got to work harder. You got to like pump more between bumps. There's like my, the run we do from say Avalon to long reef. The good thing with that is like the first 10 minutes from Avalon to Newport, like Newport's kind of the first, like is like a reef that runs out probably like a kilometer out. And so that's your first kind of, that's where you're headed to get around that. So you just go and, so it's like a nor'east wind. We're on the east coast, so you're going left out to sea. So you just like head out left, and then as soon as you get past that, um, like it's, it must be the reef and the current. It just like starts the bumps start to stand up and get closer together. So it's just running further, and you, you're more just standing there for the next ten, fifteen minutes. So far, and then yeah, then you get to uh, off Narrabeen. And that's the last 15 minutes and that, and the bumps get even better usually. So yeah, you mainly just, the first is like the hard, the first 10 minutes is the hardest and then it just gets like easier and easier, which is good. That's awesome. How long is that run? Like what are your normal run um, lengths? Average about half hour. Okay. It's about, yeah, about 13 kilometers. Some, like some days you can do it under 30 and then some days it could be upwards of 40 if you're going in 10 knots you just yeah you're just going real slow i find i find in like the slow like the lighter wind days like 10 
to 13, 14 knots, you learn the most because you're, you got to like really hone in and tune into what like the conditions are doing. Cause like, it's not as obvious as like a 20 knot day, like where the bumps are going. And so it's like, I play a game of just like, I get on, I ride like a real slow setup, like the, the 170 with a big tail that's slow. And I'll just play the game of just getting on a, a, a series of bumps and just like trying to stick with them as long as I can mm-hmm. and like let them overtake me. And then I'll overtake it and then it might dissipate and then work my way out and get, find the next set. Yeah. I find those days you learn the most with efficiency and like reading, like what the bumps are going to do. That's what I have been most excited about in this last week, which has been my best week of downwind yet has been, I'm able to anticipate now kind of where the bumps I'm starting to understand how the ocean works offshore and I can kind of anticipate where a bump's going to be. I can kind of see the seam that's going to lead to a bump, like yeah. when it's really tiny and I know it's going to get me to the one that I want to, or taking angles on the, you know, cause generally we'll have the wind bump and then we'll have some swell in the water that's running more back to shore. So less angled, our, our wind bumps will tend to run, I don't know, three times the angle down the beach compared. Yeah. That's the same. That's the same with us in the nor- Nor'east wind. Okay. We usually get the Nor'easter. And then, like, it can be a southerly swell or southeast. And I find those days when, like, it's the wind and the swell are opposing. I find those days are like they're really good for me because, like, the 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 ground swell like makes the wind bumps like propagate. They like they jack it up further higher. So like the so like because like when I guess when you're that like say if you're a, I don't know a kilometer or a mile offshore, the bump, the the swell's not literally going into the beach as much. So it's kind of coming more adjacent with the, the coast. So like when you're going, like I'm going opposing and a swell, I'll go over a swell and then I'll be on a bump. It will like make the bump stand up taller and then run further. And it creates all these A-frames. And I, I the when I first, yeah. Oh, how good are they? Oh, I like hey. I've been starting to play with now that I'm comfortable that I can pop back up. I don't really care if I fall. So I've been taking a lot more risk out there. And the last couple of runs, I've just been seeing what kind of turns I can do offshore. And every once in a while you can do like some proper like connection turns onto those. I know it's like, it's like you're doing turns in the surf. Hey, and the energy is like more exacerbated. So it's just like the energy runs for longer. So you can like, turn and then come back to the crest of the bump and then go back down it and go again. You know, it's like, it's, uh, I find that the funnest days when you can just rip turns and just take, like do risky maneuvers and not worry about coming off. And yeah, they're, they're good. Yeah. I had this hell run the other day where it was pretty big and the wind was cranking, but the swell was, it was like six feet at seven seconds. And so I'm finding that on those days, it's a wind swell and it almost seems to me like the bumps aren't very good. It's mostly like the bumps are getting pushed into the swells almost like, you know, same angle wind and bump. But I decided I was going to take out the 1095 to see if I could get it up. And so I decided to do a short run in case I couldn't, which was like three miles. I got dropped off down the beach, three miles coming back to the house. And it took me 
two miles of attempts before I got on foil. <laughs> it was, wow. Paddles yeah. were getting thrown. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> Oh man, how frustrating can it be? Like, oh my goodness. But you then definitely I got, oh. see the, you definitely see the worst of yourself sometimes downwinding. <laughs> you know, you like the winging, you, dude. Oh man, it, you can see the like it could be the best of yourself when you're having a real good day, or the worst. Like, no, you don't. No one wants to see you in that mood. <laughs> the the worst was I had one of those shockers about a month ago, and I had decided to downwind when Brian did a runner and Pedigo decided to go on the wing, and he kept just winging up to me while I was having this shocker, not being able to get up and like just kind of making fun of me as he would wing by. <laughs> so brutal. Man, Such a dick. That is brutal. <laughs> yeah. I had that a while ago. I think uh, James, James was filming and it took me half an hour to get up and I was, he was doing a live and I was just, I watched, I was not, <laughs> Oh man, I was not happy, <laughs> but oh, you know, it's good. Like it just like, as long like if you're doing it, whatever you could be doing it for a year or two and like you you get your confidence up and then you just get humbled and that's what's so good about it and then you learn from that what i what i've been recent I had a bit of a breakthrough recently with paddle my paddle lengths the length of my paddle so i've been using a paddle the last probably two months that's like probably maybe up to my nose maybe even my chin mm-hmm. and man i found i just realized recently having a shorter paddle for me. So when I'm in between that phase of like planing and just getting on the floor and you got to move your feet back, the length of the paddle doesn't, so I can't get it into the water as much. So I'm losing drive and I'm losing drive in that moment. So that's what's made it be, made it harder for me to get up on foil. And then the other day I went back to my older paddle, which is, I think it's at my, it's like as tall as me and having that extra length go in between in that in between phase, I have so much more drive and it makes it all, it made it like, I don't know, 50% easier to get up, maybe even double. Like I could having that extra length of the paddle, I could look further at a bump that's in front of me and actually chase it down and get into it. And with, instead of having a shorter paddle, I only could see half the distance and uh, yeah, it was harder to get up. So now I'm, definitely not going to use that paddle anymore <laughs> paddle and i kind of want to using so what, what's the paddle i'm that? using it's a sun nova just the sun nova carbon one okay and so i had two and i had one cut down to that say face height or like chin to nose and then the other one's the same one but a taller one but i want to i want to go like so that i think they're i measured them they're about four inches or 100 mil difference in height and i think i want to go to another hundred mil higher than what uh, the taller one I have now. I just want to see what that does with power. I think you lose drive, you know, like back. From yeah. Right. Get to a sub- point where you, yeah. Fr- from my sub surfing days, I found that the, I would cut my paddles at eyebrow length because all you need to do is you need a lot of drive to get out of what I called getting out of the hole. When you ride a board that sinks, you know, like a sub board. Right. So you need a lot yeah. of drive. Um, and I'm finding the same thing. I cut my, I have that Ono Ava quick blade, which I really like because of the blade angle and how big it is. It's made getting up on that, a lot easier. Is that the 15, has it got the 15 degree on it? I think I saw yeah. Jeremy Riggs do yep. a video on it. Is that the one? Yeah, right. They look really yeah. good. TJ from Big Wins. 
send it to me if you want one call tj nice uh, cool. <laughs> tj but yeah i'm really digging it but i think i cut it an inch longer than i'd like i cut it an inch over my head and i might drop it down like another. that's good <laughs> going too short you can never go back <laughs> yeah i wanted to start that way and i'm yeah. not going to cut it yeah. quite yet i like it when i'm up on foil because i can go with a pretty narrow hand grip and still yeah, okay, yeah. out of it, you know, like even if I'm a foot or two out of the water, I can still get it in the water. So I like that, but I feel like I could get out of the hole a little bit better if it was a touch shorter. I haven't tried oh, like Connor yeah, Baxter. Yeah. Connor Baxter's just insane sup racer. And he, when he starts races on the sprint races, he chokes up on the paddle, holds his hand about four or five inches below the handle, his top hand on the shaft to get his low end power. And then as he gets his speed, then he moves his hand back to the top. And wow. that's the next thing I'm going to try to see if I could get the best of both worlds. Yeah. I think just, I, I feel like for down when you need that top hand, like your hand on the top, so you can get that drive, like you can really lever it and plant your, that's just, I don't I feel like if I had it holding like down, I couldn't get that drive, you know, but it's, you know, it could be really good. I, I haven't tried yet. I, I don't know. That's interesting. Like I know people like around who are like downwinding, they'll use either a shorter paddle and it'll work for them. And then other people will be longer. So it kind of is just personal preference. I think it has a lot to do with your arm length too. Right. Okay. You know, not everybody has the same size arms or, or length of leg. True. There's a lot of weird yeah. stuff that goes into paddle length. Variations. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. I guess, I guess the point going too long could be like you're hitting your foil and you're bl- like breaking a paddle or. I've done it. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I fully was getting up one day in Costa Rica and just went right through it just the foil just cut the blade right in half it was really impressive wow that's that's crazy I, well, it's, uh, that would suck man being out there like a, f- a few k offshore and then your paddle snaps in here it happened to my friend recently joe and he um yeah he had to do the he had to put this paddle into the closest beach <laughs> that's brutal yeah, torture yeah that's but brutal. i guess that's what comes with foil down winding pretty much anything that can go wrong with uh gear probably will go wrong at some point i've been lucky knock on wood as far as that goes so far i saw my first shark on a run the other day oh right i've been seeing a few recently have you through summer yeah we've been seeing pretty much since november after the whale season like migration like the water gets warmer again like some runs i'll see three hammerheads but they're not they're just babies they're not big but one time i did a run uh, I think it was just after Christmas and I was coming, I just thought it was probably five minutes into my run and this hammerhead was coming towards me, like swimming into the current and I was going the opposite. And we literally like, like I reckon a meter, he, he just saw me and we both turned the other way to each other. And we, like he, like I, I went left out to sea and he came in. And then, I don't know, he was probably my size, maybe a bit bigger. I'm not sure. I didn't really get to see a good, like, glimpse on him. As I went out, I was on a bump, and then he kind of turned behind me and was, like, sussing He, like, sussed me out for – I turned around, and I didn't want to fall off because, like, obviously – I turned around, and I saw him just in the bump behind me, and he was 
man, it was pretty amazing actually. He was just sitting there. He wasn't swimming, wasn't like kicking his door. So he was just gliding in the bump behind me. And I was like, wow, that is crazy how efficient they are. And then I just kept going. And then 10 seconds later, I looked and he was gone. He just wanted um, to downwind with you. Yeah. I like, <laughs> they're pretty amazing. Like I haven't seen any touch wood. I haven't seen any like big sharks. They've always kind of, I haven't, it's only really been seeing hammerheads and they're, they're quite mellow. They're like, they're like puppy dogs. Did you see the video that Austin Tovey reshared the other day of the guy on the Armstrong foil on a kite and the shark turn? Yeah, I did see that. that was, that's mental. That's right out back here where we foil right. like the same type of shark that I saw. But when I saw him, we just kind of like locked eyes and went our separate ways. We, we scared each yeah. other right away and that was it. What, what, what shark was that you reckon? Hard to say. It's like hard to really like, unless it's a hammerhead, it's so obvious because you can just see its head, but yeah. any other shark, I reckon it's too hard to like know what it is. I, I have no idea. It could have been like a spinner or a black tip. Right. I had that. Yeah. Spinner yeah, jump. I, I, I saw that. that video. That, that was pretty yeah. cool. The timing, man. <laughs> just so lucky. Yeah. But yeah, like, man, that's what comes with it downwinding. You just, it's like, you just got to expect it, be ready for it. I think most times they're just, just inquisitive, you know, they're just like, what the hell is that thing coming at me? Like they've probably never seen it before or heard that hum. Right. You know what I'm loving about downwinding is I feel like there are very few adventures left in life in a way. And I feel like every time yeah. that I'm doing a downwind run and I just lock into that paddle straight offshore and I'm still all by myself right now because there's no one that really has a board yet here. Pedigo just got one. And so he's going to start, we'll start doing some runs together soon. But I do feel like it's like you're setting yourself out like on this very cool adventure and you've got an end point. You want to make it. And there's there's the unknown in between. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. And when you make it there, you're you're stoked. Yeah. Have you, have you find, do you find when you're say on like a good downwind day, the, the types of flow state that you go into, like, like I've been chatting to it with my girlfriend a lot because she just like, she's quite knowledgeable on it through a course and we're talking about it. And she was saying like, when you go into this heightened flow state, I forget the term. I don't know if it's gamma or whatever, Like your body, like you like essentially like black out your mind or black out and your body will like make a decision that make the decision for you through like feeling. And I've been kind of resonating with it saying like, like a really, windy day when the conditions are like really good and you got to be like real focused and like i'll probably go into a state like that for like i don't know five minutes mm-hmm. and you just your body just knows better and it, you're just like you know you just it's crazy i 100 percent agree with that i think it's really interesting because what happens to me a lot is i will get into that state and have kind of a mindless few minutes. You know, I don't know if it's one minute or minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. And time's not even relevant. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like, you're just like in the right place the whole time. The ocean makes sense. You're not even thinking about it. You see where all the energy is. And then I'll have this thought of like, Oh my God, I'm out here doing like the most amazing thing. And I kind of snap out of it. And it's like the ocean goes blank and I kind of don't know where I am in the energy. I generally end up pumping for a little while to like get myself yeah. back in place again and then have to like yeah. dive back into that state. Cause you know, I actually, I used to do a lot of cart racing, which I used to talk about a little bit on the show and the races were like, it was like a 12 minute 
race normally. And that would happen in the middle of the race too, where and that's a very deep state as well. Cause you're kind of going fast and you're driving against like good drivers and it's game of millimeters, similar to how foiling is. And you, I don't know, five minutes into it, have this, Oh my, like I'm in the middle of this race right now. You kind of snap out and then have to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you're a bit, you get a bit frazzled when you come out of it. You're just like, Whoa, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I find when I'm in, that's like the fastest I'll be going on foil. Like my average speed will be the highest and I'll be doing the fastest like kilometers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you just really honed in what's going on and you're making like the most efficient decisions. You're using the, the least amount of energy as well. And yeah, I find, I found coming back to the 120 downwinding I, I we didn't really get to chat about it. like it's i find it's a quite a hard wing to get up on mm-hmm. but once you're up on foil and you're like relaxed and you're set in and and then you start making your decisions where where to go i find pumping it is turning like actually like weaving through the bumps instead of pumping it you'll go faster and you'll because it, it just taps into that energy like that energy source a lot faster so i've been trying to when I'm riding the 120 is trying to pump like less and just like, I think Dave Klarman calls it wormholes and just like weave through the, weave through these sections and then I'll bring you onto a bigger bump and then ride that. And then right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that wing you can, if you just tap into it and just start weaving, it's like you go faster. Just like, yeah. I can't wait to feel that. I think that you're, farther ahead in this journey than I am by a good bit still. I'm pretty, pretty newbie still, pretty kook still. I'm getting my runs. I'm like starting to understand it, but I'm flying a really big foil still. And, you know, I want to work down to the 1095 next. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. But what I've found is that it doesn't seem to balance as well on the SUP I'm riding as the 1440, like the 1440, the balance seems great for the pump. It seems really easy. It seems like the 1095, the pump on the few runs that I've tried it on, it's, I'm like, the cadence of that pump is faster than the board wants to let it go because of the inertia of the board. And right. And do you put your boxes further up with the the 1095? So I'm already forward. Right. Yeah. Cause that's what I had. I was, like I had this, I was riding the Sun Nova uh, Aviator and the boxes were too far back for lift. So I had to get the box extenders James lent me and that just opened up like that extra, it was like an extra four inches forward made it like the world of difference. I bet. And then, yeah, like, and then my new board off Amos, we've gone even further forward and like they're quite far up and just having your mast like – further forward makes the biggest difference of getting up on foil. I find like if you get a, if you get them further enough forward, like it made, it made the 120 a lot easier to get up on foil than having them further back or it was crazy. It was a big difference. I was thinking about that the other day because I've gone as far forward. I've gone about another inch and a half forward from where I was on the 1440 and I'm also using the Takuma fuse, which has kind of that angle of attack built into it. And it's getting up so much easier. And the, the two thoughts that I have are one, 
by having it farther forward, the foil is still in energy, even as the board is starting to slide behind that wave. So I think it gives you a little bit more time with the foil in, you know, in the wave face energy to pop up if you're missing the bump. I don't know if that makes sense. And then the other is that yeah, right. yeah. The, the extra angle of attack, I think, allows you to start coming up on foil without it pulling the tail down. So when I went to the, I actually like the flat fuse that I have a little bit more for when I'm flying. It feels like it's a little bit more balanced on my feet, like my front foot. I've moved my stance a lot farther back. So I'm getting the same balance now, but at the beginning, my back leg was dying out on the Takuma fuse and then the flat fuse was helping, but it felt like it was much harder to get up. And I think that's because that little bit of degree difference pulls your tail into the wave as you start to pop up where when the foils already angled up a little bit, there's not as you're not going to rock back and pull that tail down, which acts as a break. I don't know if that makes sense though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so when the bump picks you up, it has more tail. So I guess it gives you more momentum. Like if it's rolling and then it pulls you, it pushes you. And then I think I kind of understand, but I definitely found with like more tail behind you, it made the, it made my foil, like the foil more efficient. I found. With having Um, other pumping. Yeah, I think so. I haven't done a proper prop. Yeah. I mean, I feel that in prone too, right? Sorry. I feel the same way in prone. Like the farther you go forward, like I think the pumping is just gets better. For sure. Yeah. It just has that like more, I don't know, lever. Yeah. Lever, like more of a lever. Yeah. Less like you have the board working against you less. There's less swing weight on the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Cause um, with my new prone board, Amos just made the, I think it's the Spitfire he just sent down. That's a good board. I was on the, my Raptor and the boxes were further back. I was riding the 90 with the 33 carved tail and I it didn't like the, the 26 tail, the smaller one, because I think the boxes weren't f- far enough forward. And then I got this new board and the boxes are set further forward and it just opened up a whole new world of like, like, ta- like what tails I can use. I can use smaller tails because I don't have that loss of like with with the the boxes further back you lose that front foot pressure Mm -hmm. so like you drop out more and i didn't like that feeling i don't know if many people like that feeling of like not having control went through turns so i only could ride the 33 and then now with this new board i prefer the 26 because i can get it like the boxes further forward and i get that more front foot pressure yeah through turns yeah that makes sense yeah it's just small things like that that you like think about and then you get on a new board or you set your boxes further forward it just blows your mind it's like it's endless it's full endless what you can do with tuning and yeah like like shimming and all that yeah what's blown my mind lately is my son just got the 90 lift and it's just changed everything for him on foil like even the 120 had way too much drag and was way too big for him. And now the 90, you know, he's doing long runs, you know, his pump speed is so much faster. His connection turns have gotten better. He's so stoked on foiling now. He wanted to love foiling, but it's just the gear wasn't there for him yet. 
like and now yeah, they don't cater for the smaller or the uh lighter yeah the lighter guys or the yeah the younger people not at all but the 90s perfect for him and our yeah i feel like that happened in surfing as well like when i was say five or six they didn't have custom boards for like that age or that like that young and now it's like fully catered for that you know they have so many models for that that age group and i feel like it it's only a matter of time that foiling will go you know they'll cater for all that i i talked to uni about that we're doing that project right now on the foil and i was chatting with those guys saying that's a market which i think is a very small market but that no one has taken on yet like yeah hundred pound foilers fully because there's really the lift 90 is the best that we have found for that weight but the cabrina 650 is pretty good too but it also it, that has too much lift still really right but it, it was the are they so 650 is the the surface area yep so pretty similar yeah right because yep. i think the 90s 580 square centimeters mm-hmm. oh yeah it is the That's six- that, yeah man it's an amazing wing for its size. <laughs> I, I haven't ridden it yet. You know, we haven't actually had a real day of surf in so long. It's been weird. It's a couple really small, clean days, but mostly just wind for the last month and a half. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That will, um, that's my most used prone wing right now. I use the 120 or the 90. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can, and if it's smaller than like a foot or like, maybe two feet just depends on the, the energy like the period and the swell mm-hmm. but i'll use it mostly like i towed on it yesterday it was like maybe three four foot and it felt really good and you pump it fine yeah it's sweet to pump i think because the boxes like i set my mast so far forward it just yeah i can't keep it up as long as the 120 but yeah i can get three four five waves on it that's nuts. yeah it's sweet yeah it's just um so efficient it's crazy. You, you're fully ripping on that foil. It's definitely the best yeah, foil I've seen you do. Which it's definitely that... smoothed my style out. I feel it's kind of I don't know. But, uh, what I noticed that I made my feet more offset recently. Might be the board I'm riding. I haven't taken much notice over time, but my feet have started to go more offset, mm-hmm. and it helps so much with rolling your board over into yeah. That makes sense. Seems like that's the direction. I wonder how far it's going to go. You know, my buddy Pedigo's taken it to an extreme at this point. His turns are just insane. He's doing full hacks on those on that on on his whatever he's riding. It's like yeah. full surf hacks. Yeah, and it's good a, to watch. It's a big foil too. It's a you know Takuma twelve ten, which is not a wow. foil. He actually built a, a an ASIM board so that he could go farther offset. <laughs> that's crazy. What, what type of like asymmetric, is it like weight or foam displacement it's, or is it in the tail or? Uh, the toe side of the tail is wider than the heel side of the tail. So that, and then I think right. it shifts the other way up where, so, so that basically if you wanted to go more offset on a skinny board, you, he bumped it out where the, where his feet would go. He was hanging his toes off the rail. So he's like, I'm going to solve this. That's cool. Yeah. It's a lot that that's really cool. And it's, it's helping it. It looks like he's definitely falling the best, like from his clips I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 I think like when you turn that hard 
you lose a little bit of the speed coming back into the pocket. You know, it's more sure. like, yeah. like, like really tight snaps, which I think are absolutely insane. I think he does them better than anybody. Um, but I think there's always like a give and take to anything you do. And I think there's maybe a yeah. medium. It's going to be interesting to see over the next year if that trend continues and people continue to go more and more offset or if there's like a happy medium in the middle. Yeah. So. Like a pig dog stance on your backhand. <laughs> With your um, idea, it might not be necessary. Yeah, who knows? Could straighten it back up. The <laughs> surf stance. Yeah, like um, talking about offset for on coming. I forgot to mention it on James's downwind. I noticed throughout his run, the day he was changing his stance a lot, and at, at the end, his he was really offset. Like feet both pointing literally forward and. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy. Did you think, ask about yeah, why he was doing that? I think he was saying because um, over time, like your feet get numb or your toes get numb, and you just want to like take pressure points, like different pressure off your feet, and just move it around. Just keep it. Yeah, your feet kind of have feeling after twelve hours of foiling. <laughs> He's the only person in the world who knows this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I asked him. I was like, "Do you do you even want to downwind for a while after doing twelve hours straight?" Uh, <laughs> he just laughed. He probably went the next morning. He probably said, yeah, probably <laughs> two days later. I noticed on some of my early long shore runners that near the end of them, I would start going pretty far offset because my back calf would start cramping. And if I was more offset, it would take, I wouldn't have to push so hard. Like on the ones where we were going, you know, right down the beach, the whole way, regular foot. So you're always on yep. that inside rail. When I would go more offset, it would take away that pressure and feel better. And that was the first yeah, time right. last year that I noticed like there was a, a big benefit to like the pressure needed from being offset. With like heel to toe pressure or on your yeah. back foot? On my back foot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. On my back foot, like having to keep that, you know, rail in the water the whole time, essentially going right for 15 minutes. Um, going putting that foot yeah. over helped out a lot. I find when you're offset and you're pumping and you like you pump too hard, you like trip over yourself because the weight, like goofy. So, my right foot, I'll trip over and I'll kind of want to dive to the right. Mm-hmm. So, I got to be a bit more like aware or careful when I'm pumping to just be a bit more centered. Yeah, that makes sense, but uh, yeah, definitely, man, it helped. It helped so much more with like just rolling at the start. I found. Like when I took more notice of it, I found it was you just, you just had to be a bit more careful how hard you turn because like you can obviously when you offset, you don't have to like lean over as hard because like that natural weight is already going that way instead of in your heels, like you're rolling. So like you see a good section, you're like, I'm going to do it. Like I want to try a hard turn, but you don't have to turn as hard to get the same result. That's interesting. Do you have to... Do you think that you invert your body as much as you would? Are you like as leaned over or no? If I'm forehand and I'm doing a bottom hand turn, I'll, I reckon I'll be more leaned over because your back foot's planted more and you're like, you're, you're, yeah, I reckon I'd be more leaned over. Gotcha. Yeah. But just not. And then on the, toes. and then on the top turn, I don't think I would be leaning back. I don't know. Cause I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have to get back to you on that, but I'm feeling tune into it a bit more. Let's dive into winging for a little bit. Got a little bit more time. Cool. 
What do you think? Do you like it? You um, winging? Yeah, winging's, swinging's great. It's, I, I mainly am doing it just when there's waves and wind. I'm not really downwinding or in the flats. I like, I should learn switch, but I don't want to. I do. I, I should. I, I just like, <laughs> I, I, I know I will, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> it feels so kooky to me. It's like, it's so hard. I, I don't want to learn it either. I just did a session right before we hopped on this and it's a West wind day here, which is an offshore wind day, which is not a good wind for us. They tend to be variable in direction and really gusty. And I had some like long toe side runs to get back up to where I live. And every one of those runs, I was like, I got to learn to get. Yeah. But cause I do you find, um, dying. Do you, do you, and um, do you find like the next morning that side of your back? So my right side, when I'm twisting the next morning, I'll, I'll feel sore in that region on my like lower back 100%. on the right. Yeah. Cause like you just, that, that force of twisting and then the wing pulling you. It's just, yep. Yeah. I, find, I definitely notice that the, <laughs> the next morning if I have a big session, but yeah, I'm just mainly using the wing as to get into a wave to like tow me in. And definitely since, like a year and a half ago, just the technology and the, the wings, man, they're so much better. Mm-hmm. Just the torsion through the wing and how much more angle I can get upwind mm-hmm. is like, it's crazy. It's so noticeable. What wing like, I'm using the, the Duotone, the new unit D labs at the moment. Oh, sick. I've got man, the, they're, they're, I have the unit, the five, five. I love it. The D lab or the, the standard, I have the standard, yeah. but I still love they're, it. They're good as well. Hey, yeah, just like even just because the old units were soft handles. So when you're like trying to get on foil, you lose that power because like the absorption through the handles. Mm-hmm. So it just has that. But with the, the stiff handles, like you can just move it around and power it up a lot easier. Yeah, I 100% agree. I love those handles. They're, they're really easy when you're riding waves too. And for sure, when you're making turns, you can turn the wing so hard and fast. Yeah. Um, and I'm also you can, um, kook on you the can wing. move your wing. Yeah. It's a good design and you don't have to look at where you're like, you're going to plant your hand. If you're tacking, you know, you can just like, you can just feel it out instead of with the soft handles. I found I, I wasn't, I was looking to where I had to get my hand, plant mm-hmm. my backhand. Yeah. They're, 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 man, it's crazy. I wonder of like, you know, in uh, the America's cup with their sales, they're like, that their sails literally foiled. They got like a double foil in it. I wonder if that will be the case with um, the wings in the future. I could see that's an interesting point, like a self-inflating foil almost. Yeah. Kind of how like, like the light wing kites, like the, I think a lot of the like speed record kites, they don't have the bladder that fills, but they fill themselves. So they create a better foil. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like throughout the whole thing, isn't it? They they pump like the like that. Are you talking about when they're kiting and they're right on edge and they're just like powered up and they're going like fifty? What I don't yeah. know how fast they're going. Crazy speeds. I wouldn't want to do it. Nah, I, that's going to be in the Olympics. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> dude, Brian makes so much fun of me because when I'm on a wing, I don't want to go fast. I ride big foils so I don't go fast because yeah. I'm having these just my worst falls are winging. For some reason, For sure. when I fall winging, I just my head just smashes the water every time. Oh, you yeah. get so slapped. It's like one bad stack, and I'm done. 
<laughs> I'm going in. I, I had one that gave me like a probably like a micro concussion a, a few weeks ago. I got out on this day that was west and gusty, and it started blowing kind of northwest, I want to say. So it was harder and harder for me to get back to shore. And I meant to be coming back in like right behind the house and just bailed on that idea. And it was like two miles down the beach before I got back to the beach. But when the gusts would come through, they were like 35, 40 or something. Wow. And I was on the five, five duotone oh. and on, on the Viper 170. And I could not believe how fast that Viper 170 would go powered on the wing. It's the fastest I think I've ever gone on foil. And on one wow. of them, I breached and hit so hard. I couldn't think right for a day or two. It kind of scared <laughs> me a little bit. Far out. How's like the yard sale you have? Oh, just like you everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I have my leg rope on my when I'm winging. I have my board attached to my ankle, and then I wing to my uh, waist. So when you stack your boards, like pulling one, like it's behind you, and your wings the other way, and you're just getting stretched out. <laughs> on that one fall, I lost my favorite hat, and I hit so hard that I didn't even know that I lost my favorite hat until. No, I hopefully, it washes up one day. Yeah. Yeah. That's classic. I had a yard sale a few days after that, where somehow my wing landed upwind and my board downwind flipped over. And then the wind caught my wing, blew it into the no. floor, was upturned, huge rip. Yep. Yeah. Kind of. How, how disheartening is that? No. It happens to everyone. It's happened to me many times. <laughs> I, man, I had a session, oh, I, was, I don't know, a while ago. And I had to negotiate the shorey. <laughs> it was such a good day, like such a good wing conditions. And went out on my five, didn't even make the shorey, put a hole through it, <laughs> came back and got a four meter and put a hole through it. And I didn't even make it out. That's the worst. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll normally go out right at low tide, so it's pretty easy to get out. And then I'll be out there for a couple hours and the tides filled back in. And now the, the shore break is running and I, I'm to the point now where I think I'm just going to take off the wing, take off the leash and just send it through the shore break and hope it doesn't get hurt and see if I can get it on the beach. Because it just seems like when I'm trying to navigate coming in yeah. with the wing, that's and, especially with onshore, I, I, I've done that and just let I, your wing. Yeah. Let your wing go in. I just, I hold the board yep. and then, yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's safer. Yeah. <laughs> and then the water generally fills up the um, the canopy so it doesn't get blown in into the beach. That's actually a good idea. I'm going to do that next time because I'm just so tired of getting rocked in shore breaks. Yeah. Definitely the worst part about winging is yeah. managing the gear when you're getting in and out of the water. Yep. <laughs> and there's no elegant it's, way to do it. Like There's none. I think about like <laughs> board sports. I think... Like the pinnacle of doing them, even if you're not ripping, it should be like elegant and seamless. And I don't think there's a way to do that to get into the water when there's waves on a wing. And maybe I was telling Brian the other day, I think we should just, we take the boards out. One guy sits in the water with the boards and then another guy goes in and then brings out the wings until everything's out in the water or something Probably, like that to, to yeah. not have to deal with it. That's, that's yeah, true. I had be hard. I, I reckon it's hard. I don't know. Would you take two wings out at once or one at a time? I think one at a time. You just make yeah, because they catch so much water. I made the mistake one day of letting the wing go in the shore break and bear hugging the board. And then the wing got caught by the wave and almost ripped my shoulder off. 
Whoa. You know, just like <laughs> bend it backwards. I was like, oh, God. I reckon a good idea for like, say, if you're winging in big waves is have like a, you know, like, say, if you, it's like big wave surfing, they have like a pin on their leggy and they pull the pin and it just like doesn't snap your leggy, it just lets it go. That's a great idea. Could be, yeah, because there's been a few times I've been like winging like just bigger waves and I've been caught out and my, and as soon as the whitewash gets a hold of your wing, it doesn't let it go. It just keeps on dragging you through the water. So it could be like, like sometimes it's good to have a leg rope that is kind of weaker in those conditions. So it'll just snap and then it'll be gone. So it doesn't keep dragging you through the water. That could be a good idea to have like a rip cord on one. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that was a problem with bigger sups and bigger surfs sometimes where you just get pulled underwater for a long time and the hold downs could get bad. Yeah. You know, you just want to get away from your board. That's a few um, good ideas mm, on the show. Yeah. Always thinking. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So what haven't we touched on yet? I think we've kind of covered everything. All things foiling have been covered. You need to drop more edits, man. I love your surf edits. Yeah, cheers. It's hard to um, get people to film. What, how like, does that um, unlock someone? You need to get oh, guys. That guy's dropping yeah. a couple of day. Right? Man, what's going on with Adam? He, every day he's dropping. He must have like a video bank just ready, <laughs> you know, every day. It's good. It's, it's good for the sport having so much, just like so many videos coming out. Yeah. It's good to I, analyze and, you know. Absolutely. I gave up trying to comment on them. I ran out of cool things. <laughs> Fully. You had a, your vocabulary's low. Yeah. <laughs> How many times? Can yeah. You, this is amazing. Over and over. Yeah. He's yeah, ripping. It's hard, to, it's hard to get someone to film or have someone filming every time, but definitely need a, when I'm towing, just have always be filming. Yeah. That's that. And those clips are so good too. Yeah, that that session with Tom was on Anzac Day, so about a week and a half ago. That was that that uh, wave man is so fun, and it was just so mm-hmm. Anzac Days for us in Australia, New Zealand. It's a day where the they, like in World War One they went and fought for our freedom. So it's like I guess it's like yeah. Anyway, so it's um like a, they have this thing this uh, game called Two Up, and it's only played on Anzac Day once a year, and so there's. You, I'm not sure if you heard it, but there's two coins and they're both heads and tails, and like it's a real, it's so fun. And you, so you just uh, bet against someone. Someone bets heads, and you bet tails. And the two coins have to flip on like heads. And uh, so like you, whatever you bet, whatever money, ten dollars, and you win that money. So it's like they only play it for four hours of that that afternoon. So everyone goes and plays was playing two up, and the conditions were so good like glassy and no one out. And it, we just had this session to, it was like three of us towing. That's all. That was, was amazing. Like, yeah, man, that was, it was so dreamy. Yeah. Straight up. Surf. So, um, the the line yeah. surfing and foiling are really starting to blur. They are. Yeah, for sure. Even, even like, like when you have a wave, cause not often, foiling you have a wave that is moving at the same speed as you like the, the curls running at the same speed so that session was like had like parts of like longboarding and being like closer to the nose and just riding that that energy mm-hmm. it like it was such an amazing feeling just to be in that breaking zone 
And on the 90, you're moving. Do you, have you gotten any GPS speeds on the 90? How much no, I haven't. 20? I should. I'll get some. I haven't. I don't use my watch croning anymore. I should, I'll, I'll do, definitely do it for sure. Yeah. The, the speeds that you guys are seemingly going on the 90, it, it's markedly faster. Definitely. Definitely um, jumping on the 90 for the first time, pumping back out was like, like when I was getting to a wave, I was like, oh, I'm already here. Like, what do I do? <laughs> like, you know, like with a slower wing, you can time it. So when it get like the curl, like it's just about to break and you can do that turn. Mm-hmm. Like with the 90, you're coming up to it faster. So you're kind of hitting the wave sometimes in like deeper water. So you got either got to stay on the wave longer and then pump back out later, but you end up getting out there at the same time because you're moving so much faster. That's so incredible. You, you know what yeah. I'm enjoying doing? It's the exact opposite of the 90. Going slow. I've been taking out the 1440 on like one foot days. We had one yesterday, a day where you really wouldn't go foiling, you know, or, or I'd go anyways, but where it's that's unheard of you can foil every day i know I know <laughs> <you do. laughs> but, yeah. but i've been taking out the 1440 on the prone board and i can keep it on foil basically as long as i want now um just getting like more efficient on it i think through the downwinding and the runners spending that much time on it to where i'll just go out and i'll just get one chip and i'll just do a 15 minute run behind the house and then come in and it it's like such a cool thing to be able to do. It's like a longboard session. You're still doing turns, but they're not, you know, not great turns, but it's just fun to be on foil in the surf for that long. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge as well, isn't it? Just to see how long you can go. Yeah. I wonder who, what's the longest time on foil in the surf? It has to be over an hour. So Nathan Van Vuren did a hundred waves at one point, I believe. What? I think, yeah, I think Nathan, and that was like two years ago when he did that. I remember wow. that. I was incredible. I think it was a hundred waves. There's a video of it. It was a ridiculous amount of waves. And then that one guy, the French guy who rides for Takuma did something pretty incredible too. And he was on the 1440 when he did it. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. If I remember a few years ago, Kyle Lenny posted that video. This is before I even foiled. And yep. he did like 12 out. And I was like, what the hell? That is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Like, that's like, it's like the norm now. <laughs> and then there was the, my, my dog can't believe his eyes or whatever it was video that Kane dropped. That was like him on foil for 10 minutes. Yeah. That, that was a while ago. Wasn't it like a year and a half, two years ago, that was even funny. longer maybe. Yeah. I'd say longer. I'd say that was a few years ago at this point. Two, Crazy. Two, two and a half. Yeah. That would actually be a fun contest to have where you just, just um, yeah. In, endurance surf foiling yeah it'd have to definitely like it'd be good to pick a good spot for it so you can just ride waves and then still like and then pump back out it would be great for it because it's so spread out you wouldn't have people on top of each other yeah and then just like when you come down you're out <laughs> We should do, you know how they do that, like tag somebody, something we should do like a 15 minute foil surf challenge. Yeah. 15 minutes on fully. That would be sick. And just like length on foil and how hard you're ripping. And how that's going to take away the time. 
I, I burn so much sure. energy when I, definitely. when I'm surfing. I find now, like when I ride the 1095, I'm burning more energy in the surfing part than I am in the pumping yeah. part. But the pressure on your front foot is just like up in your quads. It, that You get that like you deep burn from just pushing down so hard. And mm-hmm. yeah. That's cool. I like, it's going to be interesting where like there's so many angles we can like take from like prone foil competitions. There's so many different variations you, we could go with. What do you think it should be? I don't know. I think maybe like a, like, like skateboarding, that kind of like two minutes or like maybe longer, like five minutes. And if you're up on four for five minutes, that's good. And you, they, you judge your waves, like, like the, the waves you're on and you ride, that's what you're judged on. Yeah. I reckon. That, that's what yeah. I do. And I think you could have like yeah. five people in the water, but then when someone's up, basically they have that time. Yeah. So, so the judges and, uh, on that. Yeah. And obviously like coming, I find if you, they, you start judging when you come to the, the the curvature of the wave. So you can make that first turn coming back out and that should be counted because they're like the best turns sometimes in a session. Oh, 100%. Those are my favorite turns. Yeah. That's when you have yeah, the most, re- like the, the highest velocity difference in your speed and wave speed coming at it. So you get yeah. probably like if the wave's coming in at 12 miles an hour, you're coming out at 12 miles, you get 24 miles an hour of power on that Dif- first turn. Difference, yeah, yeah. And you can approach it so many different ways. You can go like real vertical, try to do a snap or like do a real lateral carve and back in. Yeah. I love doing the ones where I like pump sideways to the wave, parallel to the wave and start the turn, like a cutback on in the flats before the wave comes and then keep it going. I love that turn. Yeah, right. I, I've noticed your ones where you're pumping out and it'll be on your front side and you do like a turn, a check, like a check turn. Uh-huh. And then hit the wash. I've noticed I've taken that with my backhand. Like if I'm pumping back out and there's whitewash and I'll hit the whitewash, I'll come, I'll turn. Oh, first to second so that leverage. Yeah, yeah. And then I can hit the wash at that right angle. Yep. It definitely helps. And, and I think um, you get to control your speed that way too. You get to set up. What I found and the reason that I think I started doing it was I like hitting those, like kind of throwing tail on those whitewash sections. But if you're going too fast, you can't, it's hard to recatch the wave. I want to hit that, like, yeah, falling out. Um, you go off the back of it, don't you? Exactly. Like, your tail wing might come out and you lose like pressure, and then yep. you'll, you'll come off the back. Yeah, I just figured out a new way to do that, which I hope to get a clip of soon because it's, it's different. I've had a hard time going to longer masts and still doing that turn because I go out the back on almost all of yeah. them. With a long what size mast are you mainly riding in the surf? 78, 80. Okay. You know, with yeah, a into like an 81 when you put it all together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good length. I was with the go for riding a 95 for a year, like the last year. That's massive. I found, yeah, it was, it felt good at the time. Like when I was riding, I could lean over, lean, like get lean way more over on the foil. I think because their surf wings, the spans aren't as big. Mm-hmm. So like the 130 I was usually riding and I could just lean it over way more. But now I'm riding 85 in the surf and the wingspans are longer. Mm-hmm. So, but maybe I think cause the cords are narrow, so it's easy to roll over and stuff like that. Yeah. I've, I, and the, and I ride jumping, moving on the lift, riding like a taller mast 
I noticed so much more the difference of speed with like a 95 to an 85. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so obvious how much slower, how fa- much faster a, a smaller mark. Yeah. And, and those lift masts are, I like those masts. I think they're fast masts. Yeah. They have a cool section, um, on them. like real tapered yeah. back and pretty good stiffness for those as well. Yeah, I reckon. I yeah. reckon. How was it for me? The GoFoil is like the stiffest mast out there. How was it? How was that transition to a little bit more flex? Uh, they definitely both like it's. A, I guess it's a compromise with um, a stiffer mast. You have more. There's no lag between, say, getting on like turning, but coming out of turns with the lift, you have that extra flare. So like at the end of a turn, it gives you that bit more like twang yeah i reckon a time like a bit of flex is good for me but i guess anything you get used to it you know you get used to like what it can do and how it reacts yeah i have found that in downwinding i like really stiff setups for sure yeah that i find that like more flex on a downwind run kind of leads to bobbles at times for me. yeah and un- and yeah unstable i bet de- you definitely for me i don't want to be any type of un- like unstable feeling when I went downwinding, I had a <laughs> recently I was, I was riding the 120 downwind and I, I like set up my tail and I was using the, I think it was a 13, the cane 13. And I went to put a degree and a half shim in. I'll oh, sorry, a half degree shim. Anyway, I was out there and I was having trouble getting up and I eventually got up and it was a fast day. So I was go- when I was going at like high speed, my tail was like fishtailing. Like it felt so unstable. It was hectic. And um, at the end of the run, I came in and I took my tail off and I had a degree and a half shim in. So the, the tail had too much influence over the front wing and it was just like, it did not feel good. <laughs> did it feel slow? It, was, it, it definitely felt slower, but it was like, I definitely, oh, I felt so unstable on it. I wasn't like enjoying it that much. I was like, oh, this is hectic. Like, I just like, it was safety foiling the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. And then I came in, I had, I had a, a degree and a half and I was like, what the hell? So now I'm, now I'm a bit more, I'm more aware looking at my shims and the numbers. <laughs> Before I go out on a downwind run, I'm like checking my gear like three times just to make sure yeah. I haven't messed something up to find yeah, out. Or a bolt loose or you know, <laughs> everything's tight. Yeah. Well, shoot, man, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Long one too. Been good. What, what do you want to leave folks with? Words just of keep inspiration. The, just, man, keep the stoke alive. It's so good seeing more and more people get into the uh, into the sport. Every week I'm going down to the local spot and seeing new faces, and it's good to just see the, the froth expanding. And also just like to thank all the, the people that have been sponsoring me, Lift Foils, Amos, Shapes, Duo, Ion, Wetsuits, and Kahui Leashes. Yeah, that's so good to have support. Yeah, let's keep the froth alive. Right on, man. Well, I think you're ripping at the very top of this game right now. Uh, thank you. It's thank you. Fun to watch. So yeah, get more video so we can all yeah, you know. I'll um have to organize someone, a friend, and yeah, if anyone's got any questions or any wants to share the stuff about stuff, more than welcome. I'll uh, I'll get back to you. Great, like, like, yeah, picking people's brains and then giving advice as well. It only helps the uh, the sport grow. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the sport is the community. Yeah, there's no egos, isn't there? It's just all yep. you know, learning and teaching, which is great. 
Yep. And I think about it where surfing, the surfing aspect might get crowded at some point, or there might be some scarcity, but there's never going to be a day where a downwinder is crowded. Never. You can never have too many people. It'd be, it'd just be fun, more fun having yep. that many people in the uh, sharing bumps and yep. yeah. And so like that would be really stoked the other day. I want everyone to get into that. I think that there's just, and you know, depending on where you live too, like here, I don't think it could ever get crowded in the surf. I think some places might, but yeah. Yeah. Well, where I am, it can definitely get crowded for surfing. Yeah. But when the waves are good, you kind of look past it, I guess. When it's like, yeah, six foot or barreling it, you just look past it because you only need to get one good wave in the surf. I heard it. I was, I heard a while ago, a good motto, your surfs is only, your surf is only as good as your best wave. And that makes sense. Like it resonated with me well, nicely. And that's why we foil in Florida. Exactly. It's always good. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you so much yeah. for, for coming on the show and sharing. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Deconstructing Foiling, Flow, and the Learning Process with your host, Eric Antonson.